Good morning, everyone. It is lovely to see you this morning. Um, if there are spare seats in the rows and you feel like shuffling in, because we've got to get all the kids back in here as well, which is going to be a whole heap of fun. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Today is an incredibly important day for followers of Jesus as we remember the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at um, one of the accounts of the first Easter Sunday. It's the account in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 24, if you want to be turning to that, if you've got a Bible with you, the words will come up in the screen in a moment. If you were around Riverside Vineyard for our Lent series, which we called How to Hear God, you'll remember that this story was the framework uh, for that whole series. It's a, an incredible story that has so much depth, so many layers to it. My prayer for us today is if you're already a follower of Jesus, that there is more for us. And I'm praying that you would deeply experience the presence of the resurrected Jesus this morning. If you're here and you've not said yes to Jesus before, you are incredibly welcome. And I'm praying that you hear um, Jesus' invitation into friendship with you. So this story, as we'll find, is set on the first Easter Sunday morning. We're going to see two people walking from Jerusalem, heading west to a place called Emmaus. And they encounter the resurrected Jesus Christ. Now, if you go onto Google Images and say, show me a picture, an artist's impression of the Emmaus Road story, what you will generally find is Jesus and two men. I want to break that myth this morning. The couple on the road, as we will see, were almost certainly a married couple. And so I love this picture. This is by a Spanish artist, Maximino Carrezo Barado. And I love that. Not only is Jesus not white, <laughs> but it shows a married couple. And why do I say that? As we'll find in the story, Jesus is invited into their home. They live together. We know that one of them was called Cleopas. Two days before at the cross of Jesus Christ, there was a lady called Mary married to a guy called Clopas. And lots of historians now will reckon that Cleopas and Clopas are the same person. So it is extremely likely that this is Cleopas and Mary walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Let's read the story. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Just to pause at that moment. Why didn't they recognize him? Well, there are lots of kind of things that people have put out there. They were walking west into the setting sun, so maybe they just couldn't see clearly. But we have, this is seven miles. This is like three hours. Maybe they were crying all the time. That's a lot of crying. This is seven miles worth of walking crying. Uh, maybe they were just caught up in their own stuff, the grief and the trauma. Maybe Jesus looked different, and that is possible. We have to remember that two days earlier, Jesus had been flogged to within an inch of his life, and now he's walking seven miles. So something has changed. 
Maybe they just weren't expecting him. Bottom line, in faith, you have to embrace mystery. We don't know. Carrying on. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here these days? What things, he asked. Feel the humor. (laughs) Jesus is playing with them as if he didn't know. What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This is one of my most favorite stories in the Gospels. There is a depth to this story. I love the drama. I love the depth of encounter that these two people have with Jesus. I love it because I think that many, if not all of us, can actually identify with the two people on the road. Someone has famously sung, life is a roller coaster. Have you experienced that? Life has its ups and downs, right? And we see that in these couple of people. The chances are they had been with Jesus for at least some of the previous three years. So they had seen dead people raised to life, sick people healed, bread multiplied to feed a crowd. They would have seen some of that stuff. They had seen enough to put their hope in him. They were probably around the Last Supper. You get a clue of that at the end of the text we've read. They were were probably around that. And it seems likely that at least Mary was at, if this is Mary, was at the cross as Jesus died. And so do you see the way that they've gone from highs to lows? That their hopes have just been ripped to shreds. Things have not turned out the way that they wanted. Has anybody else experienced anything like that in life? Things not turning out the way that you expected. Losing hope is horrible, isn't it? Just horrible. 
when you lose hope. When we find ourselves in a place where we just can't see a way out and we can't see any way that this is going to get any better, we can't see any hope of change and we lose hope, where we feel downcast, confused and probably depressed. Now, therapy and counselling are helpful. Don't hear me wrong. Medication can be extremely helpful. But what I believe we need most are encounters with Jesus Christ. That's what I believe we need most. There's a theologian called Donald Carson, and he writes this. You are not suffering from anything that a good resurrection can't fix. (laughs) You're not suffering from anything that a good resurrection can't fix. Don't lose the wonder of this moment in this story. The crucified Jesus of a couple of days before, the one who was buried in the grave, is now out and about. Why? Simply because this, in the resurrection, life put death to death. If you take nothing more from this morning, take that. In the resurrection, life put death to death. The grave could not hold him. So he's out and about, just back to his business. See, the resurrection of Jesus is so amazing, so wonderful, so powerful. The Apostle Paul says that without the resurrection, faith is futile. So I believe that like these two people on the road, we can find joy and hope and peace in these moments of encounter with the resurrected Jesus Christ. So what I want to do just briefly this morning is share four things from this story. And I've just been reflecting on this in the week. Why is it so precious to me and I hope to us that Jesus is alive? Why is that so precious? Firstly, because Jesus is alive, we can walk with Jesus. See, one of the things that I love about this story is just these two people literally are walking with Jesus. And that's something the Bible talks about, about walking with God. Um, You'll often hear Christians talking about their walk with God as a way of describing their spiritual life with Jesus. And it is definitely good for us to do all that we can to walk with Jesus. So to pray, to engage with scripture, to worship, things like that. But what I find so beautiful about the story that I've read this morning is that in the midst of despair and hopelessness, in that moment, Jesus comes to walk with them. At that moment where they couldn't walk with him, he came to walk with them. He came to find them. He comes to find us in those moments where we are struggling to find him. A few weeks ago, I was having, I was just feeling com- completely overwhelmed with just stuff. And you might just say, Andy, you're a pastor, you shouldn't, it's because I am a pastor that you kind of sometimes feel just the, gosh, it's a lot of stuff. I was just feeling that. And Beth and my wife, she prayed for me. And I just felt peace descend on my life. Very simply, Jesus came to find me when I was finding it hard to find him. And so we can walk with Jesus only because he's alive. Secondly, because Jesus is alive, we can hear his voice. Over this seven-mile walk, Jesus takes the whole of the Old Testament scripture and he just walks them through it. It's an incredible thing that he does. Scripture is the primary way that we hear God's voice. 
And so we trust Jesus to interpret Scripture for us. We trust him to speak through Scripture to us. But Jesus also whispers to us. He just comes and talks with us. Now, we don't know all of the conversations that these two people had with Jesus, but what we do know is that they listened to him. Jesus is always talking, and we can learn to tune in. So in the series that we've just come out of, the Hearing How to Hear God series, we've, we've been uh, uh, helped by Pete Gregg, who leads the 24-7 prayer movement. And he writes this. He says, learning to hear God's voice, his word and his whisper, is the single most important thing you will ever learn to do. I'm not exaggerating. Hearing God is not peripheral. It is integral to human history. Hearing the voice of Jesus, both through his word and his whisper, is so precious, so precious to me, hopefully so precious to us. And it is possible and only possible because he's alive. Dead people don't speak, right? Third, because Jesus is alive, we can talk to him. We can talk to him. If you're a follower of Jesus, I think one of the great questions to reflect on from time to time is this. What is it that you love about your relationship with Jesus Christ? It's one of those questions that I often think about. And there are all sorts of great answers to that question. The one that I most often give is this. I love being a follower of Jesus because I have a friend who is always with me and that I can always talk to. That's one of the things that I find incredibly precious. I love that Jesus is my friend. Anytime, any place, anywhere about anything, I can just chat to him. And I find it incredibly precious that we can be real and honest with God. We can, we can share anything with him. It's not like you're ever going to say anything to God and he says, you did what? Like, never in the history of humanity have I heard that before. You, you stand no risk of that. You stand no risk of saying anything to God. And he says, oh, that's a bit intense. That's a bit heavy. I don't think I can carry that. We can come to Jesus and just be incredibly real and honest. And that's what these two guys did. They just poured out and their hopes had been shattered. We come to the one who knows the beginning from the end. Isn't that amazing? that we can come to Jesus, the one who knows the beginning of our lives and the end of our lives, and we get to talk to him. That is absolutely stunning. Again, quoting Pete Gregg, he says that our prayer lives are at their best, not when we talk to God about big things occasionally, but little things continuously. And I love that, that we can go on, we can just chat with Jesus, and that is possible because he's alive. Now, the story in Luke 24 is quite dramatic. It builds to this crescendo. Jesus is sort of, he's been quite playful with these couple of people. He acts as if he's going to carry on walking. And it's like he's asking them, do you want more? Do, do you want to go deeper in this moment of encounter? And what they do is they invite him in. They sit down at the dinner table. Sharing food around a dinner table just increases our closeness with other people. They're going deeper. He is drawing them deeper. And then Jesus breaks bread. And something is starting to kind of like catch them at this point. So maybe they were around on the Last Supper. They've seen 
this breaking of bread before. And then maybe they see his wrists for the first time that day. People were crucified. Historians tell us that the nails went through the wrist, not through the hands. They'd have gone through the wrist. And maybe they saw that for the first time that day. And then we read that their eyes were opened. And they see Jesus. Do you see the way that they're being drawn closer and closer and closer? The fourth thing, because Jesus is alive, we can come closer. We can come closer. Yes, he is the Son of God. He is very God, in very nature God. We come with reverent awe, but he also calls us friends. He invites us close. There's a well-known verse in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 that says, it's, it's, it's a picture of Jesus, and he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. In other words, let's do dinner together, which is a metaphor for an intimate relationship, an intimate friendship with Jesus himself. The resurrected Jesus invites us into that kind of relationship. It's a guy called Tim Keller. He's a pastor and author in the US. He writes this. Perhaps the most ordinary daily benefit of the resurrection is this, to follow not a dead, revered teacher, but rather a risen Lord, is to have him actually with us. That's what I find so precious, that because Jesus is alive, we can walk with him, talk with him, listen to him, have intimate relationship with him. So if you're here today, Maybe you're exploring faith. You've not yet said yes to Jesus Christ. Maybe someone dragged you along here today with the offer of lunch afterwards or bribed you with chocolate. But maybe you'd just like to find out a little bit more about what we've been sharing about this morning. What we would love to do as a church here is to give you a book as a gift this Easter time. It's a free gift from us. It's a book by a guy called Lee Strobel um, entitled The Case for Easter. Um, Lee was an investigative uh, journalist um, and now a Christian, and he unpacks the evidence around, did Jesus really die? Was the tomb really empty? Did Jesus really appear to people? So really helpful. It's a book of about 100 pages, easy to read. This is our gift to you if you would like this, if you are exploring faith today. All you need to do is get your phone out. You can scan the QR code there. Put in your details and we will send that to you. Uh, alternatively, there are some postcards at the Connect area. You can just fill one out there or scan the QR code there and we will send you um, the Kindle version of the book. Just in closing, I find the resurrection so precious to me on a day-to-day -day because it is that thing that we can walk with Jesus, that we can listen to him, that we can talk to him, and that we can come closer and closer to him every day of our lives. That is why Resurrection Sunday is so precious to me. And I hope and I know it's so precious to many of us here today. Do you know what, friends? The resurrection really matters. It really matters. That's why Paul said faith is futile without it. Because we don't get to walk with God in the way that we do now without the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. It really matters. Can I pray for us? Jesus, thank you that you are alive today. Jesus, thank you that the grave could not hold you because your life has put death to death. So Jesus, thank you of the reality that you are now out and about and doing your business again. You're talking to us. You're walking with us. You're listening to us. And you're drawing us closer and closer to yourself. And so I pray that for every one of us today, whether we've been following you for years and years, or whether we'd say, I don't know Jesus yet, I pray that even in this moment we would encounter you, the resurrected Jesus Christ, that we would know you, we would know your presence. More than anything, I pray that we would know your love. We would know that you did it all for love. And so, Jesus, we are incredibly grateful today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.